Welcome to Our Missouri, a podcast about the people, places, culture, and history of the 114 counties and independent city of St. Louis that comprise the great state of Missouri. Each episode focuses on a topic related to the state, ranging from publications about Missouri's history to current projects undertaken by organizations to preserve and promote local institutions. The Our Missouri podcast is recorded at the Center for Missouri Studies in Columbia and is generously provided to you by the State Historical Society of Missouri. And now, here's your host, Sean Rost. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, or whatever hour you're tuning in to listen to the Our Missouri podcast. My name is Sean Ross, and I'll be your guys. We explore the memories, moments, and misfortunes from our Missouri. Over the course of collecting and preserving oral history conversations for the Missouri Sports and Recreation Oral History Project, we've encountered a number of stories of mentorship and leadership that guided individuals and teams to greater heights. Many individuals spoke of coaches, administrators, teammates, and mentors that shaped them as people. But perhaps no name has come up more during the course of the project than Dr. Mary Jo Wynn. For those in the sporting world, the inclusion of her name will come as no surprise. After all, she's not only a member, twice inducted, of the Missouri Sports Hall of Fame, in addition to countless other halls of fame, but she is also credited with turning Southwest Missouri State College, now Missouri State University, into an athletic powerhouse. Attesting to her influential role as an administrator, coach, and educator, the Academic Achievement Center at Missouri State University, the Dr. Mary Jo Wynn Academic Achievement Center to be precise, carries her name. For those outside of the sporting world, today's episode serves as a chance to learn more about the championships and challenges encountered by Dr. Mary Jo Wynn, as she sought to expand opportunities for women in higher education and redefine the competitive nature of women's athletics. At the time of her passing in 2019, Missouri State University called her, quote, the backbone of one of the most progressive and successful women's programs in the U.S., end quote. I'll let Jody Adams, a former standout student-athlete at Missouri State University and the former director of the Springfield-Green County Park Board, explain the significance of Dr. Mary Jo Wynn. As you're finding out, we in Missouri are very underestimated. We're very underestimated who lives here. When you look at some of the best of the best, whether it's pro athletes, college athletes, high school athletes, or coaches, we've had some of the best here. And a lot of them have stayed, too. So... I would say the influence there and the bottom line is Dr. Mary Jo Wynn. That, that's just the plain answer. Um, she was able to go out and recruit some of the best because of her vision, because of they, she was one of the uh, mothers of the, of the uh, development and the implementation of Title IX nationwide. So um, we had a person that was a leader that could, was unmatchable with her colleagues from around the, the United States, especially Marlene Mawson, who was the athlete, women, first women's athletic director of Kansas. They were very, worked very closely as Charlotte Webb, who was in Illinois, very influential. These were the mothers of the Title IX movement. I wanted to be a part of that group and, and learn from the best, which I had and have over the years, of making sure that there was equity and equality of all opportunities for all citizens, not just males, not just females, for all citizens. Dr. Mary Jo Wynn's origins were in the community of Hartville in Wright County. She was the youngest of seven children born to William Thomas and Tina Wynn. 
During her early life, her parents ran a general store in Hartville. Growing up during the turbulent times of the Great Depression and World War II, she found few opportunities available for women and girls. In fact, as with many women of her generation, she discovered that athletic opportunities ended on the playground or on the neighborhood sandlot, while male classmates competed in a seemingly endless list of sports. Eventually, she found organized athletics through softball in Hartville and intramurals at Southwest Missouri State College. After graduating from Hartville High School, she enrolled at the college in nearby Springfield that had long been known as the Regional Normal, or Teaching School, and by the post-war years, the college that is now known as Missouri State University had grown rapidly. Though there were expanded opportunities, she still encountered some of the same issues she endured in Hartville. Primarily, the college did not yet have competitive athletic programs and teams for women. Additionally, as Wynn herself later admitted, the intramural program was not as competitive as she would have liked it. Nevertheless, she did find outlets for her competitive spirit, namely softball and basketball traveling teams, including AAU-affiliated basketball teams that played throughout the Midwest and in Kansas City. Though some SMS officials were less than excited about her involvement on these teams, as Mary Kay Hunter remembers. Mary Jo, at the time when she was in college, she was, uh, we had a PIM club, PE majors for the women, and there was a PIM club for the men that were separated. And uh, Mary Jo was the president. And uh, Margaret Putnam was the head of the women's department. She pulled Mary Jo in. She found out that Mary Jo had been going on AAU trips on the weekend to play basketball. We we got together because we wanted to play, you know. We got together with our own team and went with the AAU program. And we would go to Kansas City or so and play basketball. Well. Miss Putnam found out that Mary Jo was doing that, pulled her in and said, if you want to still remain as president, you must give up your playing AAU. <laughs> That's not acceptable. That's right. <laughs> well, Mary Jo enjoyed too much being into the, the, the area of knowing that she could go ahead and become something higher, I think, you know, in, in the position. So she gave up playing AAU basketball. But you know, it's, it's sad when they, they pull a woman, a woman in and say, hey, you quit, or you can't be president, or you can't do this, you know. So that's where she got her little bee in her bonnet, I'm gonna do something here, <laughs> and it built, built up, and it went through the years. After graduating from Southwest Missouri State College in 1953 and earning a master's degree at the University of Northern Colorado, it was only a short period of time before SMS brought her back as a faculty member in the physical education program. Wynn worked quickly in this new role to increase participation in athletics on campus and to usher in a new era of competitive sports for women. This started in expanding the previous play day or sports day models that were discussed in episode two of the series. Here's Marilyn Moore to explain how they were structured under Wynn. We had no sports at Missouri State, now or back then, Southwest Missouri State. But we had one professor that was very interested in starting some teams, Dr. Mary Jo Wynn. And uh, she coached us in everything. Uh, We had what they call sports days. And this was, we had no uniform. We had a pair of shorts and a blouse that was and our number was pinned on our blouse so that they could know what person fouled or whatever their rotation was in volleyball. 
and we were allowed to go and play on a Saturday four or five times a year. And we would play basketball, volleyball, softball, tennis, badminton. Usually two or three sports were selected for the day, and you could play more than one on more than one team. Uh, you might play three basketball games in one day, and the winning team got a small trophy. So Dr. Mary Jo Wynn started this. She was a new uh, PE teacher at SMS, and uh, she would go in the gym and practice with us in these different uh, sports. And uh, she was excellent in all of them herself. We played sports days against uh, Central Missouri State, which be at Warrensburg, and Missouri University at Columbia, and Drury College here in Springfield, Northwest Missouri State, that would be uh, Maryville, and Northeast uh, would come, and that's Kirksville, and also Central Methodist uh, College at uh, Fayette, Missouri. And then here again, Mary Jo Wynn coached most of the teams at SMS for the sports days. And she played a vital role in organizing and eventually introducing sports for women in the late 1960s. Additionally, with no scholarships to offer to fill the rosters of potential teams, she recruited from within the physical education program's classes for student-athletes. Soon enough, SMS women's teams were playing neighboring schools as Linda Dowler, Mary Kay Hunter, Reba Sims, and Rhonda Reininger, remember. Uh, when I was in college playing in the 60s, Mary Jo, again, you'll hear her name over and over, <laughs> um, we didn't have any conferences. We didn't have any kind of cohesion. Called it. You just, like she you had said, friends that were teaching in the other yeah, universities. You'd call somebody at the University of Missouri and say, Let's play. Okay, well, we'll go play. Missouri, the University of Missouri was kind of well, they were way behind. You're right. Yeah. They were slow. Like basketball, it was Central Missouri when you first started mm -hmm. because of Melder Barnes mm -hmm. in Central Missouri. Mm -hmm. And uh, that was the one school you had a tough competition with mm -hmm. for a while. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And when she first started. Okay. So, but it wasn't, again, it was like her calling or and getting in touch with Mildred and right. everything, let's schedule right. A, a, right. a home and away or something, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And um, that's what I did with softball. I'd call down in Oklahoma. Yeah. And I'd say, okay, let's, you know, let's get a schedule here. Can we come down and, or you come up here? Right. Or I had a tournament and try right. to pull in from tournaments. But that, you know, the schedule was not that great. We didn't have that much in, in our budgets. Right. Once it got started. I did want to mention, like in volleyball, we would, through Mary Jo again, we would play in an AAU Oklahoma yeah. Women's Volleyball League. Right. Okay, so we would travel to Oklahoma to play club teams that got our team better prepared mm -hmm. because we could beat every other college in the area. Yeah. Our volleyball team was pretty good. So we went down there to play people that were a lot older, you know, in their 20s. <laughs> and, Those old ladies. <laughs> you know, that's what we thought they were older, right? Yeah. But they, they were more um, experienced, so they were better. 
And so that's really was the basis of the foundation of our volleyball program, how we got to be pretty good at that time. Yeah. So, and that's, that's all before Title IX in the early set, late 60s, early 70s. By the dawn of Title IX in 1972, Wynn had earned a Ph.D. from the University of Oregon, and the SMS athletic program had slowly filled its team rosters with successful players and coaches, far beyond what Wynn had initially encountered when she first coached the school's women's teams many years earlier. In 1975, nearly 20 years after she first joined SMS as a faculty member, she was named the women's athletic director. During this time, she oversaw the evolution of SMS's women's programs from the Association of Intercollegiate Athletics for Women, known as the AIAW, to the eventual, though turbulent, merger with the NCAA in the 1980s, which will be discussed further in an upcoming episode. Along the way, she emerged as a key leader in university, conference, and associational policy decisions regarding the state of play in the latter half of the 20th century. In 1992, after the merger of the women's and men's programs within SMS's athletic department, Wynn became Senior Associate Director of Athletics and Senior Women's Administrator. She held these positions for the remainder of her career, retiring in 1998 after nearly 41 years within the university faculty and administration. Not long after her retirement, the accolades came. As previously mentioned, she was twice inducted into the Missouri Sports Hall of Fame, as well as countless other halls of fame. The Dr. Mary Jo Wynn Academic Achievement Center is named in her honor, Missouri State University holds an annual Dr. Mary Jo Wynn Invitational in Volleyball, to name only a few examples. It has been only a few years since her passing in 2019, but for those who played under her, coached alongside her, or assisted her on and off the court, Dr. Mary Jo Wynn is still remembered as a legend among her peers. As I mentioned earlier, her name has come up more than anyone else during the course of these oral history conversations. So let's conclude with Linda Dollar, Mary Kay Hunter, Reba Sims, and Rhonda Ridinger as they reflect on the legacy of Dr. Mary Jo Wynn. Oh my gosh. She was known from across the United States and in the, even at that time. She was known in other places. And um, very... They, everybody thought that she was a um, person that knew everything about what we need, needed to know, know about. Yeah, she was a top administrator. Yeah. Uh, she, um, she knew what she had as a goal of her own, right? Mm -hmm. And she knew what it was going to take to get to that goal. So she planned it out, and she took steps. She knew who she had to talk to or work with to be able to have programs that would progress. Mm -hmm. And she used her knowledge, and she used her ability to talk with those people to get their support. And I think that was the greatest thing. I mean, that's why everybody knew about Mary Jo. They, uh, in the state and nationwide because she would go to all of those meetings and become known in those meetings True. and help set some of the standards that was necessary to have a program that was going to pro pro progress. Mm -hmm. I just feel like she was someone that was very good in administrative policies and helped and she got the support, she knew where to go and how to do it.
or at least she found a way to do it. And right. I think yeah, she ahead. she. Uh, was very smart and it doesn't matter who who was sitting around the table if it was the president of the university or whatever or the anybody else she just she sat there for a while and then she had something to say yeah that's what i said i mean she uh she became president of the the uh, physical education of the state <clears throat> with a group of both men and women then you know i mean that they met on the national or not uh, states what i'm talking about the state she became president there she became um, i don't know how far up in um, the organization of AIAW i don't know was she on the national board probably I, I imagine was. she was. I mean, she progressed to points in her life that gave her support and the knowledge of what's necessary to build a program. And she did it step by step. And she knew how to do it. And how to do it. She didn't go in there and, now this no. is what you got to do. No, no, she, she worked up. Yeah. It makes some of us disappointed sometimes. We'd get yeah. a little we bit perturbed sometimes. <laughs> but she would call, she would talk to us and we would talk back to her. But And sometimes we'd get in there and say, well, how come we only get so much or something, you know, or so. But it, she still was able to manage talking with you as a coach, me as a coach, Dollar. The president. She yeah, talk or to the talk to the president of the university Correct. or the men's athletic director. They finally kind of gave a little bit, but not much. I mean, she was always having to battle with them, but she sure. battled. Sure. She wasn't afraid to. <laughs> yeah. I would call her a visionary mm -hmm. from day one. Yeah. And if I knew her something from needed to be done. The day she was in college, she was a visionary. She had that plan. Right. She did. But if, if you went in and asked her for something, I don't know that she would say no. She would say something like, we'll figure it out. Mm -hmm. You know, that it was like a continued discussion and then things would evolve. She'd have to then talk with somebody, you know, somebody ahead of her. Right. Probably. The fact that Before the Academic Achievement Center is named after her, she always felt that academics was so important for the complete athletes, mm -hmm. whether it be men, men or women, you know, that was encompassing. Yeah, and she, she taught was, also, and when she was teaching, she's evidently a pretty, pretty strong teacher. I mean, you know, that it wasn't going to be an easy class to take <coughs> for no, those no, kids. Uh, uh but uh, she was that kind of a teacher. I mean, she expected you to do the the work in that class because she taught all along up to a certain point until she was appointed as a head of athletics, women's athletics. She was the first and only women's athletics director mm -hmm. at the university, and then when the programs merged, then she became the senior associate director of athletics. Yeah. She was not. But the she head never over all of it. But never second. really 
forgot the <laughs> academic area. <laughs> she never really did, even though she wasn't teaching. Yeah. She was a great teacher. Yeah, she was. That's what made her a good coach. Thank you for listening to the R Missouri podcast. If you would like to learn more about the podcast, including past and future episodes, information about guests and upcoming events, please visit our website at shsmo.org forward slash our dash Missouri.